So these two verses in Isaiah, this is God's holy and infallible word, uh, 53, 6, and 7. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And just to be clear, this is a prophecy about Jesus and his coming, which Uh, Many of you have heard the verse before, you realize that, but just so you know. We're continuing tonight uh, in a series together as a church here at Faith where we're looking at, we're studying, we're seeing how they apply to our lives, the core beliefs that all Christians everywhere share, what all Christians believe, what are the essentials that unite us with believers throughout all of time, and that unite us even with believers in many different types of churches around us and around the world. And what sets us apart, all us brothers and sisters in Jesus, from false belief, from false religions, and from those who don't believe in God. We're looking at these truths, especially through a study of the Apostles' Creed, Uh, but also with the help of the Heidelberg Catechism and how it explains the essentials of the biblical faith. After first looking at evidence for the existence of God, we spent a number of sermons on God the Father. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at God the Son and how we confess in the Creed that we believe in Him as Jesus Christ, the Son, our Lord. And then the Creed takes us next to the work of the Son. We confess that He was born and lived and suffered and died and rose again, ascended into heaven, and Jesus is coming again. That's His work. And Christians talk about two distinct parts to that work. What we call His humiliation and then His exaltation. Jesus' humiliation goes from when he left the glories of heaven to take on flesh in Mary's womb through his death and burial. And that part, the humiliation, is our focus in tonight's message. And we're going to focus on something very specific related to that. Uh, There's a pastor I really respect who writes about the silence of Jesus in the face of his humiliation. This silence that we read about in Isaiah. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. As a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. When we think about our Savior and his life on this earth, it's interesting how the Bible talks about Jesus' birth. Then we get this little episode when he was 12 years old, and then we jump to those final three years of his ministry. The Apostles' Creed reflects this by moving from he was born of the Virgin Mary, then kind of jumps to he suffered under Pontius Pilate. The Heidelberg Catechism explains that through his, though his suffering 
was especially at the end of his life, Jesus, our Savior's suffering, we need to understand it was really his whole life long. And, and so when we confess that he suffered, when we say that in the Apostles' Creed, that's not only to bring to mind those final hours before the cross, but that's to bring to mind his whole life long. He suffered for his people. That humiliation, the suffering, was the son of God's calling from conception until the father raised him from the dead. Now in his suffering, why does Isaiah say he was silent? It can't mean that he never spoke because we know he did. Obviously throughout Jesus' ministry on earth, but Also, at the very end, he spoke at the Last Supper in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he even spoke words on the cross. So this verse in Isaiah couldn't mean that Jesus didn't speak, period. It must mean something like, over against his suffering, Jesus never protested. Though Jesus was whipped, though a crown of thorns was pressed onto his head, though they nailed him to the tree and suspended him there, and that wasn't even the worst, the wrath of God against sin came against him. All the weight of that punishment so that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's presence left him. He didn't open his mouth in the sense that He didn't complain to God about all of this. And even in the garden, when he asked for the cup to be taken, he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. He allowed himself to be arrested. He didn't defend himself in the Jewish court of the Sanhedrin. He didn't defend himself and speak up in the Roman court either. He didn't cry out in indignation when he was mocked and beaten. Quite the opposite, he prayed for those torturing him. The Lamb of God did not open his mouth in anger or in protest. He just took it. One reason to not complain and to quietly take it when you're punished is because you are guilty. But guilt is certainly not why our Savior is said to be silent. He was not guilty. He had no sin. He was holy. He was completely undefiled. He was the only person ever who was never guilty of anything, let alone deserving a death sentence. Another reason maybe to be silent in the face of something is if you are totally helpless. But that's not the case for Jesus either. It's not like Jesus couldn't do anything about all this. He had the power to destroy his enemies at any point. We know that because in the garden, when he identified himself, when he said, I am he to the soldiers, that alone knocked them all to the ground. Oh, he had the power in him. And he could have called upon legions of angels besides to protect them. So Jesus was not silent out of guilt. He was not silent out of 
helplessness or powerlessness either. Well, why then exactly? In large part, I think the answer is in our text. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This needed to happen in order for us to be saved. The Lord put all the sins of his people on Jesus. The Son of God experienced God's wrath so there would be justice against sin. And here's the point especially. Jesus bore that wrath consciously and deliberately. That's why he didn't open his mouth. The verse is showing us how Jesus was obedient unto death. Us being saved required Jesus to be actively obedient, not just passively suffering. Sin is a willful act. Sin is willful rebellion against God. And so the solution to sin requires an act also, willful submission to God instead. Sin very clearly says no to God. In contrast, the remedy to sin has to say yes to God. And that's what Jesus did. He said yes where we said no. His silence seems on the surface to be something passive. Silence would appear to be doing nothing. However, in Jesus' silence, we see his active obedience for our salvation. He was doing something very deliberately in not opening his mouth. And maybe thinking of a young son or daughter. We have four girls at home. Maybe this can help. It helps me. When a child is asked to do something, sometimes, and I'm sure this has never happened in any of your homes, but sometimes there can be backtalk or protest. Now, instead of that, a parent wants obedience, simple action, no talk. Actions speak louder than words, am I right? Dinner ends, and if in our home every daughter does her part, silently bringing dishes to the counter, that's awesome. That's great. That activity helps us function best as a family after a meal. Their silent action means something concrete. That's obedience, and it can speak louder than words. Something like this, I think, is what the prophet Isaiah, inspired by the Spirit of God, is getting at in terms of Jesus. In his silence, we see action. Namely, Christ's obedience to the Father, going to that cross, bearing the weight of sin out of love for God's lost sheep. And so, this interesting, important verse when you hear it, don't think of this verse about Jesus not opening his mouth in the wrong way. 
This is not about Jesus helplessly being swept along by events totally beyond his control. No. This is about your Jesus in action. This is Jesus saying yes to the Father's will when each one of us has said no. This is Jesus voluntarily humbling himself, accepting that punishment that we deserved so that we would never have to experience God's wrath against sin. So thank the Lord for the silence of the Lamb of God tonight and see in it his perfect love for his Father and his perfect love for you, his child. And it seems to me it would be appropriate to thank him with our lives, with our actions. May his active obedience with the help of the Spirit in us, who he sends in our hearts, result in you and me actively obeying the Lord. With our words, yes, and especially with our deeds, which can speak even louder than words. Amen.